The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. For more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. I'm Ken Smith. Happy to be here. My sidekick, Ethan Broga. Hey, Ken. Good afternoon, Ethan. This show is designed to give you prudent advice on how to better invest and manage your money and make smart financial decisions. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, Ratings are going through the roof. Ethan, so we get that data. It's thousands and thousands of people now. we're, We're dominating the internet waves. That's right. Um, it's incredible. Which makes me happy because I think I think we're doing good things here. No doubt. <laughs> All right. Well, today uh, on the show, we're going to talk a little bit about the concept of modern portfolio theory. We're going to go go back in time. Oh. Um, to a different time in a different place. <laughs> um, Is this a psychedelic road trip we're taking? <laughs> yes. Uh, you should have your mushrooms over there. <laughs> Uh, begin chewing now. Right. Um, no, it's not that kind of journey, Ethan. So, but no, we we were currently we're writing a letter and for the for our quarterly communication and one of the chosen topic that we uh, are focusing on is this this idea of is modern portfolio theory still relevant? And after the financial crisis or, and and the subsequent or concurrent decline of stocks on a global basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and severe decline in many asset classes. There were a variety of commentators um, out there questioning the relevance of what's known become known as modern portfolio theory. So I thought we could chitty chat about that for a little while. Okay, sounds good. And uh, then I know you had some client some questions that came in on the question line or situations you want to talk about. Sure. Um, if you have any late breaking news releases you want to review we can talk about that right um before we do that why don't you go ahead and give out our information and tell everyone a little bit about what we're trying to do for people here it sounds good sounds good um as usual if you are interested in in, in getting hold of us and perhaps uh you know reviewing your own situation your own portfolio um maybe would like a second opinion like to see if you're saving enough for retirement or any other goals you might have we'd love to have the opportunity to talk with you one-on-one and, and dig into those details with him. And you can reach us at contact at empiradio.com or you can call us here in the Seattle office at 800-923-4307. 
And also, as usual, if you're uh, an investment advisor out there looking to partner up with a well-established firm like ours, we'd also love the opportunity to discuss things with you. We've been engaged with uh, a couple different people over, across the country, in fact, over the last couple of months. And so we're getting some interest on this idea. And I think, um, you know, Ken, we're going to have some, some offices here pretty quick, uh, either in Spokane area or perhaps uh, other places around the country. So, again, we'd love to discuss that opportunity with you as well. 800-923-4307. Okay, great. Well, Ethan, let's talk, uh, let's, let's dive into this topic here. Um, so the idea, and I, I'm trying to think, I, if you just Google, let's just do it while we're, while we're working together here. But if you Google uh, something to the effect of, did, did uh, modern portfolio theory fail? Um, you'll, you'll get a number of articles uh, out there. So just did modern portfolio theory fail? And one of them, uh, you know, we, we talk about the, um, the data from a company called Dalbar. They do studies on, uh, on uh, investor behavior and returns. Mm-hmm. And so one of the studies that we like to we find pretty interesting is the one where they track individual investor performance and the decisions that in, the individual investors make at, at companies, at discount brokerage firms, complexes like the Fidelity's TD, Waterhouse, Ameritrade, whatever they're calling themselves, uh, Schwab's and such, and how how low that return has been. Um, and interesting enough, in their 2010 report, they they make mention that um, they're surprised that people still still um, adhere to modern portfolio theory mm-hmm. um, after its drastic, I guess, failure in this recent downturn. So I thought we could start with a little bit of. A lot of these issues that that get put out into the media, or people, anyone writing articles, or you talking to people, um, they're they're very complicated issues that that can be taken out of context. Um, pieces, you know, if if one element of a of a of a particular piece of research, if we look at it, how you know traditional active managers work, if they find one element that that that's an assumption of a scientific model. They want to they want to use that and say, well, that that's not reality, and so throw the whole model out, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, is the analogy. Right. I think you're looking for Ethan. So, um, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, you know, and a lot of it can sound like like this. <laughs> so, what we want to do is try to to clarify that. Let's 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 set the stage for this and. Basically, if we go back into the 50s, um, Ethan, we, we had a, a guy on our radio program by the name of Harry Markowitz. Um, yeah, that's right. And you can go to the archive somewhere <clears throat> on our radio website. I think that's empiradio.com and pull up the interview. Do you, do you hear sirens? <laughs> I do. Um, so it looks like something's going on. People across the way here all lined up outside their building um, or looking down. Oh, yeah. From, from our studio, so we have everybody's the, okay. a view of the Sheridan across the street, and uh, right now there's people looking We've got a show down. to do, though. We've got to stay focused. Stay I don't focused. care what's going on. So anyway, Harry. We're talking about Harry, and um, he came on the show. You can check those, pull the archive if you want to hear the full interview. But 
What Harry did is, in the in the 50s, he wrote a thesis paper for his PhD at the University of Chicago, and and basically the paper that he wrote ultimately became known as uh, modern portfolio theory, or he's known as the father of modern portfolio uh, theory. And he wound up winning a Nobel Prize in 1990 for the work he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, groundbreaking stuff. And from as a continuation of that work, there's been a lot of innovation in the field of science as it relates to capital market mm-hmm. uh, research and how to build portfolios or how finan- how capital markets function. Oddly enough, though, many, many investors and professional investors particularly want to ignore that research. Um, and so they'll look for any way they can to discount it um, without really having alternative substantial research of their own. Right. So in most of these articles, um, and sometimes it may just be for the value of writing the article or I believe getting the in the media, you know, if... if a guy like Jim Cramer um, subscribed to to the research. He wouldn't really have much of a show based on how he built his career and what he likes to do. Um, so there's there's a little bit of an incentive, I think, for him to ignore this research and really focus on his show and what he does with picking individual stocks and trying to tell you where he thinks the market's going and whether you should be buying right now or buying on dips and all the nonsensical stuff that I see when I when I turn it on, I turn it on for the value of our show. Sure. So we can we can talk about it. But what Harry did, if we go back in time here in your little time machine, Ethan, <laughs> as he said, hey, prior to the the research in the fifties here, and back in nineteen forties and such, really the way portfolios were designed or built were were around very naive diversification strategies. And diversification itself was really looked at as kind of a a silly thing to do almost, that Mm -hmm. the better approach or the more sophisticated approach is you concentrate into a very small number of high-opportunity stocks. So basically chasing the hot stocks. Yeah, Um, you get get, uh, three, four, five really good stocks. And you hang on to them, right? And you hold on to them. You concentrate. (laughs) Yeah. Um, there wasn't much research or thought process going on to risk. Um, and more importantly, what where Harry stepped in with his paper was this idea that risks uh, can be related. And risk, in terms of bringing in an asset to your portfolio, should be analyzed based on the effect of the entire portfolio rather than in isolation. Yes, that's right. Um, so a couple of things. If we... If, if you were to be someone to say, well, modern portfolio theory doesn't work, um, and make a general statement like that, or it's failed, um, I want to walk through this in the show here and, and disprove that notion. And hopefully you as an investor will um, take some of these concepts that we're about to share, because I think they're the, a huge difference in what the outcome can be for you in having a successful experience and having a not so successful experience over your investment lifetime. Mm-hmm. You, you know, your lifetime as an investor. Significant. Um, not even to mention, I mean, one is the results, but just the general peace of mind and the way that you approach your money and your investments is drastically different between the two worlds. 
um, between this world of the science and how these things have worked to improve the way that we can, as investors, can build and manage portfolios and get expected returns that we want to achieve for a given amount of risk um, before the, what before we had any of this research. So let's start with, with a very simple premise that um, really wasn't given a whole lot of thought, I think, in the way that, that uh, portfolios were derived pre-1950s, mm-hmm. and that is that there is a relationship between risk and return. So even one of the most basic elements of what, what Harry is, is talking about um, is, hey, if I'm going to get a higher return, I've got to take more risk to do so. Um, and ultimately, this evolved into uh, more research that says, hey, there are certain types of risks that we can identify that we can get that we get rewarded for mm-hmm. and some that we don't, don't get paid for. Mm-hmm. That difference being systematic versus unsystematic risks. Yeah, talk about, can the, um, you know, an easy illustration of that. Yeah. Right? It would simply be uh, stocks to bonds, right? Right. That would be the one illustration of, hey, there's... There's certainly more risk with a, a stock portfolio than a, usually a bond portfolio. And, you know, if you're talking about, say, treasuries versus the S&P 500, that's a very clear distinction of risk. And over time, obviously, you've afforded greater returns by investing in the S&P versus, you know, bonds. Um, but that's the type of risk you're talking about is that type of thing. There's an economic reason for that to, to, to occur. Right. I mean, there was some discussion of that early on, but it wasn't really a, a fundamental principle. Mm-hmm. Of how portfolios were constructed. Um, Ethan, we got to take a quick break. All right. Let's take a quick break and then we'll, we'll get back onto this topic. All right. Bye. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll free 866 472 5790. 866 472 5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. The incidence of autism has increased at an alarming rate. Approximately 1 in 150 children are affected by autism, giving autism the undesired ranking as the most prevalent childhood developmental disorder in the U.S. 67 children will be diagnosed today. That is nearly one child every 20 minutes. Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica, hosted by Terry Aranga, illuminates how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Autism 
autism is treatable and given appropriate therapies, children are recovering. With well-known researchers and doctors, members of Congress, and expert service providers from a wide range of disciplines, Terry offers interviews and insights highlighting the progress in areas related to autism spectrum disorders such as biomedical research and treatment, communication, education, and behavioral modalities, sociological and philosophical issues, and legislative advocacy and insurance concerns. Autism One, a conversation of hope, broadcasts each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Autism One, a conversation of hope through education and conversation. There is hope. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. We're back. Empirical Investing Radio. If you want to give us a call here at the firm, give us a call at 1-800-923-4307. Ethan and I would be happy to help you out any way we can. And uh, certainly encourage you to take advantage of uh, no obligation, no pressure um, overview of what you're currently doing and uh, how we may be able to bring some improvement to your situation, whether it be in a general financial planning sense or a better more scientific way to manage your investments and increase your odds of success. Any, you like that, Ethan? I think it sounds great. All right. Uh, you can shoot us an email at contact at empiradio.com as well. If you want to talk to me directly, I'm going to do something special here and give out my direct email, ksmith at emp. <laughs> Empirical FS, Ethan's face. <laughs> i got to press the, ooh, where's the ooh was an awesome that one? <laughs> Yeah, hold on. I think I got it. No. Got it. Oh, wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Ooh, it's K Smith at empiricalfs.com. E M P I E M P I R I C A L F S dot com. That's your real email. You better believe it. That's great. So, uh, anywho, Ethan, before the break, we were just scratching the surface here on this yeah. idea of, of right. modern portfolio theory and really tearing apart these ridiculous arguments that, that it failed um, as, as a scientific uh, um, and, I guess, viable approach to building portfolios. And let's just kind of back up for a second, Ethan. When they say it failed, what, what they're saying is, uh, if you read these articles, they're saying, well, it didn't work, um, and primarily the, the part about it that didn't work and, and the idea of it uh, is diversification. Yeah, that's right. Right. That they're pointing to the fact that, well, the U.S. market went down, 
But so did every other uh, major multi-country index developed international, right? Yeah, yeah. Emerging markets and, and even within the U.S., if you owned large versus small, right. that didn't help, right? No. And all that kind of jazz. So basically they're saying the whole thing doesn't doesn't work. We need a new paradigm to manage our investments in because modern portfolio theory broke down because diversification didn't work. Right. And our response to that is that's absolute garbage, right? I can't believe it's even being said, to be honest with you. It's kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you have a clearly if you all you owned was stocks, and uh, you know you didn't didn't have anything else diversifying outside of that, like into cash or bonds, yeah, then yeah, that, that didn't work out for well in that one particular year. But for the previous how many decades did it work out pretty good? And then would you change your your strategy there? Well, uh, and when we had Ken French on from Dartmouth, right? Mm-hmm. What he said was, hey, diversification works very well to reduce or eliminate what's called the unsystematic risk. Right. The risk that any one particular group, any one stock or security for that matter, or any one particular industry group mm-hmm. or any one country, the in a particular uh, something that would affect that those particular securities, um, but by it protects you from being over-concentrated to any of those and then winding up losing your money in a way that you can't recover because its stock went down. And an example of that in our paper, and if you want to download our paper, we put all the papers that we write on on our website, empiricalfs.com, and you can just go to the, I think there's a research or a section. Um, but we, we show that, and, and one of the things you can look at if you say, well, did it fail? I mean, if we, if we, we'll come back to the full argument of this, mm-hmm. but but if we said, did it fail, the, the first thing you pointed out during the break was, well, not if we talk about the fact that now we look at these risk-return relationships between stocks and bonds. So for most of our clients, particularly clients that had shorter-term uh, time horizons, mm-hmm. they weren't 100% stocks. So we used modern portfolio theory to help make a decision on how much we should have allocated to risky and less risky assets. And that in itself was an enormous success. Right. Um, And the argument they were saying, and if you're saying that it doesn't work, is that, well, the correlations to everything went very high. Um, the, The relationship between all these asset classes, well, that's not true between stocks and, and bonds. U.S. Treasuries had a, had a the correlation actually was lower during the financial crisis, not higher. U.S. Treasuries weren't tanking at a time where global stock markets were tanking. That's great. They were actually doing quite well um, during the, the the period where you had a depending on which asset class between a fifty and sixty four percent decline mm-hmm. in the stocks. You had intermediate Treasuries up almost fifteen percent and short term Treasuries up eight eight percent. So that I wouldn't call that a failure. Um, in terms of diversification. Yeah, their correlation is, if you look at the correlation tables and that, that sort of thing, very close to zero. In fact, I think the short-term treasuries are actually negative, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that, that means to me that, that that diversification did fail. It worked. It worked very well. Now if you say, hey, well, did did this, this idea of diversifying, or let's go MPT, modern portfolio theory, did it fail when it came to, came to the stock portion of your portfolio? Well, failure to me is... I owned a, a certain group of stocks. They went to zero, and I never have a chance of recovering that money again. That would be definitely unequivocally <laughs> failure. Right. We've seen a, an enormous pull uh, comeback with a globally <clears throat> diversified portfolio. Um, 
that we don't see in certain stocks or sectors of the market. And I've got some examples here, Ethan. Let's see it. All right. Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, if we look at, let me scroll down here because uh, I'm bouncing around. Um, if you were to say, hey, let's go back in time again, and, and we're going to go back to uh, 2007, prior to it becoming common knowledge that there were there were prime subprime mortgage issues with major financial institutions. When you look at, at the companies like Lehman Brothers, Washington Mutual, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and AIG, these were enormous financial institutions that when I go back and you pull the stock reports up on these companies, yeah. they, the stock reports weren't saying, get the H out of these things. Um, they were very sound investments, particularly coming out of the technology bubble mm -hmm. where people were burned with these high-growth technology stocks. These are sound financial stocks that paid good dividends yep. for the most part and had solid earnings. So what happened to those stocks? Well, uh, the S&P 500 did decline uh, from the, the peak in, in 2007 to the bottom. You had a decline over 60 uh, uh 60%. You know, I think it was down uh, about 40%. I'm sorry? Looking at the chart here. Okay, maybe I'm looking at the long co wrong color. 40%, you're right. right. I'm sorry. That was uh, that was the financial sector. I'm sorry. That's right. Got it all backwards. This chart's a little odd, um, by the way. We should talk to Steve about that after the show. <laughs> it, it's a lot reversed. of colors. See, well, the percentages are, in, are odd, too. They're not negative numbers. Right. So, anywho, I think it's I'm relative value as well. Yeah, a little goofy. Yeah, it's not the way we norm I would normally look at it. But, um, kind of stole my thunder here. But, <laughs> anywho's, it's the uh, the S and P dropped about forty percent. Yeah, from okay. from top to bottom in top late, bottom. late two thousand and seven. It was forty seven percent exact to be exact. The bottom of the market, right? Yeah, forty seven percent in oh eight. Mm -hmm. What you had, though, was uh, a situation where the um, the financial sector as a group dropped significantly more than that. Um, yeah, so that's again, S and P was a little trouble reading this chart. S and P was down about forty percent, right? And then the the sector, financial sector itself, was down about sixty percent, right? But what right. we're saying is that, boy, you, if diversification didn't work, you know, you you could have been in Lehman Brothers and, and had a minus hundred percent return. Well, no, that's not what I'm saying yet, though. What I'm saying is, first of all, you just if you did own just the entire financial group, uh -huh. um, that would have been a pre-modern portfolio theory. That would have been a, a viable strategy, right? There's no reason you wouldn't do that. You would, and for most active managers, if they don't believe in that, you would say, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. You go where the return opportunities are, right. and you concentrate there. Mm -hmm. um, you don't need to own all the different sectors or subsectors. And secondly to that is your point, which is, okay, did diversification work? Well, it worked by diversifying, simply diversifying out of the financial sector into all the different sectors of our economy did save you about 20% of downturn mm -hmm. in your money. Secondly, who knows how long it's going to take for the financial sector at large to recover, some of which won't, and go ahead. That's exactly right. If you, you happen to be the unlucky investor who you know, got Washington Mutual at $5 a share as it was going down, you, that money's never coming back. 
Lehman Brothers, Washington Mutual, Fannie, Freddie, AIG, all of these dropped virtually 100%. Right. <laughs> um, and who knows? To, to date, there's been no comeback. Right. I and mean, we're not going to see it in Washington Mutual stock if you were a shareholder. Sure. Um, so for anyone to say it failed um, is, is utter, again, utterly ridiculous. No, because we, we do incorporate the concept into our portfolios. We don't go out and buy five stocks. We don't focus in one sector. And then outside of the U.S., we don't just put everybody in stock. We put them into stock and bonds proportionately right. and around the globe. And when we come back from the break, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about um, how that's worked out over a different time segment. Go yeah. ahead. What do you got? I was just going to say, really, what we're by accepting modern portfolio theory, you tend to look at things not so much in return colored glasses, but more like through risk colored glasses. And so, the purpose of modern portfolio, one of the purposes, is to identify the risks associated with it, with a particular portfolio, right? Right. Because if you're only concerned about return, then all you would do is, is buy last year's hottest performing asset class all the time. You'd always have tons of risk. Right. But we're saying you can balance the need for risk and return. That's what modern portfolio is really, really geared to do. Well, let's take a quick break, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about this more. Sounds good. We'll be right back. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. You've got to believe. Listen up. Conceive Magazine is now on the air, live, and on demand on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Hosted by Kim Hahn, founder of Conceive Magazine. Conceive On Air offers comfort and emotional support to women contemplating starting or expanding their family by consulting noted professional experts and by sharing the insights and experiences of others. There's a course offered on 7th Wave Network that you never saw offered in college. One that provides information on how to transform ancient wisdom teachings into everyday life. You'll learn how to create from your spirit and explore the world with all of your senses. Participation is encouraged. Enroll in Spirituality 101, the course you can't afford to miss with your host, Reverend Norma. 
Class is in session every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time, in your favorite classroom, 7th Wave Network. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. We've got uh, financial cowboy Ethan Broga riding the financial frontier, as it were. Oh, geez. <laughs> Giddy up. I don't think, I, I've never heard that before. That's fresh material. That is fresh material. I mean, I've known Ken for right probably, here. what, 10, 11 years now? That's true. I don't think I've ever heard that. You never, you never heard that one? No. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, what can I say? I'm always surprising you. See if I have a little something special for that. You like? I, I can't believe you can do that. You, you pull new stuff out after all these years. Oh, I've got a keeping I've, it fresh. I've got a uh, a backlog. <laughs> what? What is that? <laughs> that's your horse, your cowboy. <laughs> oh, that's right. Your financial cowboy. That's right. Right. Well, one thing I don't do is uh, shoot from the hip <laughs> when I give a financial advice. I can tell you that. All right, well, let's saddle up and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is like the, the guy on, uh, on the Holy Grail with the coconuts, right? <laughs> the coconuts. Yeah, you know, they can't afford the horses back then, so they it's got a, all the knights went around with the guys behind them carrying coconuts and slapping them together. That sound like a horse. That's you ever point. seen that movie? Um, no, it's been a long time. Oh, yeah, right. So, it's yeah. Been a Okay, M- moving right along. Well, thanks for that um, tour there. That was very nice. Yeah, you know, sometimes you got to digress a, a moment or two. Sure. But I, I do think you're, you're, you're a lone sheriff out here trying to do the right thing in a uh, otherwise lawless uh, industry, the financial world. Okay, um, so we're talking about modern portfolio theory and, and uh, the variety of of uh, naysayers out there who are questioning its merits mm-hmm. um, and saying that it, it failed. And we're calling for a new, um, using it as an opportunity to say, hey, we need to do something different. Yeah. And I saw an ad actually in a, by the way, Ethan, in a magazine. Um, I don't know if it was like the Amazon of Flight, you know, the Alaska magazine. Yeah, you like to fly. And I know wealth managers are, are advertising in that now. Mm-hmm. And it said something to the effect of, well, no one's doing the old stuff of you know diversifying or or whatever um, this market or this time period or this era calls for a new strategy. And I just had to laugh, you know, on the plane. I said, "Wow, it's, it sounds good, um, but it's ridiculously stupid." Yeah, you know, so, I I read the same. I get this this uh, once in a while. I read Ford, Forbes magazine. Yeah, and a lot of times they have the you know the opinion or editorial section of the paper or, or the magazine rather. And they'll say, they'll say, hey, you know, I think diversification failed or modern portfolios dead or this or that or something, something like that. And they make a pretty uh, an interesting argument of, the, hey, well, that, they just ba- go ahead and bash it. They'll bash this, yeah. bash that, but never really offer any real solutions, like any, any good alternatives. 
Yeah, there's a lot of chatter, there's right? Lo- yeah. I mean, and just like this this ad- advertisement you saw on the plane, right? Hey, that stuff is dead. That stuff's failed. No, no one's doing that anymore. Right. Well, they're not offering exactly what they're doing. I mean, anything that doesn't include this means you're taking on a heck of a lot more risk. If you're not diversifying, you're taking on way, way too much risk. Right. You're not accounting for modern portfolio theory. You're taking on way too much risk. And the risk is mean, means that you can fail. And that yeah. isn't good. And that has real consequences in people's lives. And that's the that's the. Well, yeah, that's a, it's easy to be throwing out wild stuff when you really don't care about people's personal yeah. situations or their success. Right. You just think about selling a product. You know, if it, exactly right. And if you this, know what I'm talking about? These, these articles and magazines and they, stuff... It's all that's ringing in their ears. Were, yeah. were the authors of these things were actually the academics who'd done the studies on efficient markets and, uh, you know, uh, uh, EMH and those sorts of things. Right. Like if, if, if Ken French all of a sudden said, hey, you know what, guys, I was wrong. Diversification doesn't work. Or you get Roger Ibbotson up there saying, hey, you know, guys, we shouldn't build portfolios this way. Or you get Harry Markowitz saying, you know what, I was wrong back in the 50s. This doesn't work. Then I might right. have to pay attention and actually, well, what are they talking about? But anything short of those guys talking about it, I'm, I, I, can't, I can't accept it. Well, you know, I was taken because uh, French, he was actually pretty humble about things, saying, hey, this isn't, none of this is necessarily perfect either. That's true. And, and clearly assumptions do have to be made when we talk about models and scientific tests and things when it comes to the market. Sure. But, but it's, he, what he was saying is, hey, it's the best we, we, can, we have. Right. right, And so you don't say, hey, again, this concept of nobody was really worried about diversifying. Nobody did previous to um, Markowitz and, and a lot of this, uh, to the extent that we do now anyways. Yeah. Um, and does it work perfectly? You know, in theory, can you find two asset classes that have high expected returns that are perfectly negatively correlated to one another? <laughs> yeah. Does that happen? Well, no, it doesn't, right? It would be great if it did. Problem solved if it did. But do you still say, hey, wait a minute, there's some advantages and benefits of taking this research that was done and then saying, well, I'll diversify. Right. Yes, it does. You can't throw it out. And even more importantly, than a lot of the guys that are that that argue that it doesn't work or um, who happen to be managing money or selling these pr- investment products mm-hmm. who say that you need to be timing in and out of things or um, making, whether it's on a very micro level of stock and sector, or if it's a, a macro level of, hey, we're evaluating sectors and moving in and out of them. If that's based on anything other than what the market's really currently presenting you, it's based on their future predictions of what's going to happen, uh, it's not a very good idea. And it doesn't have any any basis in evidence that, hey, well, if that's the case, if modern portfolio theory has failed um, and doesn't work, and we need this whole new paradigm, why is it that there's no evidence that they they and their peers have been able to produce any any returns or do anything other than detract? Show me the money. Show, exactly. Show me the money. What are you talking about? I, when people ask that question, I, I feel the same way about it. Like you're you're just assuming that we take you'll take your word for it. Don't show me any evidence to what you're saying is true. But you know, by the way, go ahead and bash other stuff that has has produced pretty good results over the years. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm surprised, and I'd love to see the data. Frankly, I mean, geez, if there's a better way to do it, and it can be independently verified, let's do it. Well, and that's that's the thing. It's easy to tear things apart without any other solution. Yeah. Um, but again, I think tearing apart doesn't really make any sense because they don't have they don't have anything to stand on. Because mm-hmm. let's continue our let's continue through the path of evidence here, the empirical data, right? As it were. 
and uh, and look at this. So we were we're talking about the fact that uh, several major financial institutions got crushed, and and an investor who failed to embrace diversification um, could have, and probably a lot of them did, lose all or a substantial portion of their wealth tied up in these individual companies sure. um, or sectors. Well, what about outside? You say, hey, you know, in the inner, it didn't work diversifying um, internationally. Well, if you really look at it, because you have the option, and, and so do many local investors, investors in uh, various countries, um, they can invest in there, primarily in their stock market, or they can go outside of their home stock market and invest in other countries. Yeah, yeah. Now, for us, it's we can invest in the U.S. or we can invest in other broadly diversified baskets of countries and developed and, and emerging markets. So if we look at our stock market returns as the proxy and say, well, yeah, we were down 50-some percent, and if we look at international emerging markets, it was down 50 to 60. It didn't work. But if you look at it on a country-by-country country basis, let's let's look at what we're talking about. And you say, well, one of the ideas of modern portfolio theory um, is that we can, because what you're seeing, right, is the whole basket of countries relative to the U.S. Yeah. So when we buy asset classes for our, in our client portfolios, we're owning, we're not going out and buying each individual country. Right? No. We're owning f funds or securities that are buying baskets for us. But if we dig, pull, pull these pull the covers back a little bit here, mm -hmm. pop the hood and look under this, this engine, right. at this engine. What you see is that in, in 2008, I believe it was, um, each country's return uh, in their own currency, you had one positive country was Tanzania. I always have a struggle with the, the one that's been in the news recently for some of the issues at pre-Egypt here. They were up 10%. But you had Iceland... The Icelanders, those guys are having a good time over there. Until Spending like crazy, living it up. Until 2008. Champagne bottles popping, just like at your house on a Saturday night. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting aside. <laughs> I very rarely have champagne. Uh, champagne coolies Very everywhere. Only a very special occasion. Um, caviars rolling around the room. Like I, I mean, said, your wife's got Chanel handbags. Maybe, maybe a uh, Sun Country wine cooler here, here and again, but uh, not so much champagne. Good point. Uh, just so you know, Ethan is not a lavish spender. We, I drive a hybrid. <laughs> He's driving a hybrid. Anyway, but you have to pay more for the hybrid, so it, it always kind of funny when people say that. But they're not cheaper. You have to drive it for like 20 years. To, <laughs> well, when, I, when 20 years is up, I'll let you know if I uh, save any dough. I'm just kidding. Um, Iceland was down 94%. Okay. Where's the... Ooh, oh, no, that was a, that's enormous declines. Ooh, and... And it is enormous to if you, if you only owned the Iceland stock market, you lost 94% in that one year. It's unreal. Yeah. And and then you had, um, what was the next one down here? Bulgaria. You, Bulgaria. 80%. 80%. Negative 80%. 80%. Holy mackerel. So the entire world stock market, if you took it in a bucket, right, it was down around 41% in 2008. Mm-hmm. So you had some of these worst declining countries down double what the basket did. Wow. That's MPT working for you. Yeah, that's right. Right? Yeah, if you avoided it. I don't hear any of these guys pointing that out. Right. right. All they're saying is it failed because you lost 41%.
right. uh, if you owned the World Index. Well, no. What you didn't do is be an, uh, an Icelander who had put it, if you didn't know about MPT, there's no reason you would have ever wanted to invest in countries outside of the U.S. If you were a subscriber and you, you dwelled in Iceland, you'd say, hey, if, if I have the legal capacity, I want to invest in the World Index. Right. And I would have, I would have instead of losing 94%, and who knows when that'll recover. Yeah, if, um, if ever. I would, have, I would have had a 40% decline. Oh, boy, we got to wrap it, Ethan. We'll come back for our last segment very briefly. markets up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at empiricalfs.com. It's all about action. Scores. Taking a look at the NBA tonight. Highlights. He's broken loose. He's at the 30. And headlines. Big trade in the NFL this afternoon. When you are looking to talk sports, look no further than the Voice America Sports Network. We bring you some of the biggest names and all the sports news you can handle. Whether it's basketball. Off the glass. Football. Come on. Golf. Racing. Or the Olympics. We've got you covered. We'll even cover tailgating. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, and we're back. Uh, Empirical Investing Radio. 
Before we uh, conclude this uh, segment of the show, this is our last segment for the day. Um, just one more time, getting our contact information out there. We'd love to hear from you, so give us a call at 800-923-4307. Uh, or if you'd like to email a question, perhaps uh, we can read your question on the air. That information is contact at empiradio.com. I use my radio voice there. like that? Dot com. I like that. Uh, yes. That was a good one. That was a good one, yes. So we're going to finish up uh, this That's second. Fantastic. Oh, now we have the Arnold. <laughs> is Arnold? Who invited Arnold in the show? <laughs> I didn't think we got authorization from his agent on that. Uh, okay. So, Ken, we were talking about uh, modern portfolio theory. We just got done talking about the idea of diversification around uh, the countries. So you mentioned uh, we talked about Iceland. If you're in Iceland and you invested only in Iceland securities, you lost a ton of dough, um, unfortunately, in that particular year. And what we're just saying is modern portfolio theory basically says that, hey, you're going to guarantee yourself not the worst result in any, any given period of downturns. And so what I think we're going to talk about next is, hey, what happens over a little bit longer period of time outside of just the, the worst-case scenario we, we went through back in 2008, right? Yeah, I think we've already... Um uh, we've already broken down the argument that it failed right. significantly. I mean, we've torn that apart um, and just utterly flogged that 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 horse, right? Because um, we were playing horse sound effects, but um, <laughs> those are sound effects, man. <laughs> I yeah, I wish Simon could step it up, but um, anyway, we we've we've let's continue. All right. right. Now let's really put the the final nail in the coffin here. Okay. And and what we say is, hey, nobody said that. You know, Harry or or anyone who who does any research on this stuff says that when you have a global financial crisis that almost puts certain markets out of existence, that you wouldn't expect stocks from all components of the world to, to go, go down. Um, the major difference when you view this type of a strategy is that do we expect all markets to go out? completely never recover um even if some do you know say iceland goes out and they have to start over again right right um well that's okay because we're not advocating holding one country that's the beauty of the mpt yeah but if we look over time um and i was saying did it did it fail well not necessarily because in other periods of time um the the declines experienced weren't global financial crisis um like we had in the Depression. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been many market downturns between the Depression and 2007, right? Sure. Uh, that, and, and let's just look at recently in 2000, 2001, 2002. Having a globally t- diversified portfolio did far better than owning a portfolio concentrated heavily in U.S. technology stocks or just the S&P 500. Uh, the first two years, 2001, it was actually positive. And I think the third on our global was down less than 5%. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, relative to the S&P being down 22%. Mm-hmm. So it was a phenomenally, worked phenomenally well. And that's in recent times. So it isn't that, oh, it didn't, it worked a long time ago and it hasn't worked recently. No, we've had one incidence where we've seen, and it's more because of the systematic shock to the system. But it, let's expand that discussion even further and say, well, what if we looked uh, over the last 10 or 11 years um, and looked at how well has it worked? Because that incorporates the two bear markets, including this one. And you say, well, it worked very well. Um, when you look at from March of 1999 through February of 2009, 
He had U.S. large stocks down on a cumulative basis total 27%. Um, or he had emerging small companies up 168% over that time period. Wow. Um, international small value up 109%. Emerging large up 101 um, Our high premium equity model that we do, which has got large amounts in international, emerging, small value, uh, up over that period of time, 84%. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the end, Treasury's up 80%, commodities 65 U.S. small value 62 and short Treasury's 56 Virtually every asset class outside of owning U.S. large stocks, which were down 27 and and international large cap stocks down 10 um, It worked phenomenally well over that 10-year period of time. Yeah, I mean, think about this. If you retired, wow. you retired mind blowing in 2000 or maybe 1999, and you globally diversified your portfolio going into retirement. Maybe you had something different than that before. Um, the last decade was not miserable for you in the sense that you you ended the decade with far greater assets than you started the decade still. Yeah, and even that maybe the average return is less than historically expected with that same type of portfolio. But maybe you got eight percent per year, versus if you just weren't diversified, focused on the S and P or similar types of asset classes, you lost money over the whole decade, not accounting for withdrawals. Right. No, definitely. Um, So if you take all of that um, and and then you say, hey, what if we looked at five-year chunks of time? We got a little more time here, so let's continue this discussion. Yeah, let's do it. And and you did a, you did a little asset class box you know it's, you see them a lot where they do them each individual year and they sh- they put ten or fifteen asset classes in a in a uh, stacked on top of each other with different colors mm-hmm. with the top being on the the highest performing being on the top and the lowest performing being at the bottom and everything in between and you kind of look across and see all the different colors if you're familiar with those graphs well we created one for our paper and we what we used the average of a five-year return starting at the end of 2010 and going back. Uh, and you see something very interesting, you know, when you have even a little bit longer time horizon than peak to bottom of the financial crisis, it's worked very well even through the financial crisis. So from 06, January of 06 through the end of 2010, Ethan, mm-hmm. you had the top performing asset class, uh, say, inter- intermediate treasuries at 124% return over that five-year period, cumulative total, and U.S. large caps down 29%. But the next worst performing asset was a positive 14 on U.S. small. Hang on, I think we got this mixed up a oh, little bit. Oh, f- sweet Maria. This is exactly what I was saying before with oh, the, during oh, the break. Oh, oh, uh, That, hey, this is kind gotcha. of goofy. Uh, so you were yeah. correct on the colors, incorrect on the Sorry. names of the assets. Um, so let's try that again. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. Emerging markets were up 124%, and the worst performing asset class was commodities, down 29%. Yeah, and that's specifically emer- emerging small cap stocks, 124%, yeah. 2006 through 2010. That's right. Top performer. So the difference is huge, and then you have kind of asset classes falling all over in between. Exactly. That positive 124 and negative 29. Right. Worked very well, though. Yeah. Um, when you think about it. And... Uh, you just go back, roll back the next, uh, the previous five years, 2001 to 2005, and instead of emerging small being the top, right, the next one shows com- uh, international small value. Yeah. 179% um, was the top performing asset class, and the bottom being U.S. large at a positive five. We're out of time, Ethan. 
Yeah, we got about 20 seconds. 20 seconds. What do you have to say? I would just say this. Let's you know, wrap it up. One thing, the, the primary tenet, I think, what we're saying is that you don't need to predict the future. No. You don't need to know exactly what's going to happen next with the stock market or even the world economy to be successful in investing. That's really right. the point of all this strategy and this modern portfolio theory stuff. Right. And that's exactly what we do for our clients. And so we'd love to hear from you if you are interested in learning more about that. Right. Well, tune in next week. It'll be an exciting show, as usual. Highly entertaining and informative. Thanks again. Take care. <laughs> we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And for more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.